When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are listening to this at the gym right now, Frederica. You could do it. I Keep hope you going. are just at the bottom of a squat, just like really good. benching the, the trainer on yeah. top of you. Like, and I just went, this next one is from Frederica. She's <laughs> trapped under the weight. Like... So Shazam, a Fury film, of the Gods. Shazam, Fury of the Gods, a film yeah. we haven't seen and we're no. not going to see. And it's very much out of my sphere of uh, right. cognizant and thinking. We both saw the first one a few yeah. years ago. Um, but and I was thinking, I was looking at the the bus poster that went yeah. past. The primary I was just feeling color. absolutely nothing towards that film. As it if, looks like a Power Rangers action figure display. I think I'd rather see a film about the music app, Shazam. Yeah, I think it's rather. I think I'd rather see a two-hour film about someone pressing the yeah. guys. Should be quiet a second. I'm just trying to. Yeah. Oh, it was in sync. All well, Aaron time. Sorkin writes it. It would be like your best friend is suing <laughs> you for this recording app. I would like a uh, David Cronenberg version where it's a, an iPhone is struck by a bolt lightning. of lightning and Shazam becomes sentient, mm. and then it's absorbing all all songs mm. of, of all time to record the greatest hit. Yeah, and maybe this is beyond. And the lightning just now. happens to be the frequency of "Beautiful Girls" by Sean Kingston. It's like <laughs> yeah. perfect marriage. <laughs> but yeah, I'd rather watch a movie about Shazam than Shazam. Mm. Bizarrely, I mean, I look at that. Why is the second one uh, so much more repellent. appealing to me? There was a factor of the first one, which was oh, it's like the sort of Tom Hanks big, but in with superheroes, yeah. and he's now and he's sort of figuring out what powers he has. There was just a little bit of charm to it and he was an author with foster care there's kind of a fun bit there but i think uh, space I th- wizards i think the reason i, I feel so mad about it is it is that that poster is telling you too many different too many different pulling you too many, too many different directions mm. so shazam you're like okay well i sort of sort of remember that from four years ago God, even though it didn't, it didn't have that much of an imprint on it and we've had a pandemic in the middle so it's like okay four years ago how do i feel about shazam okay it was kind of funny then you've got fury Whoa, Fury? I don't mm. associate the words Fury and Shazam very well. Mm. Of the gods. Gods? We're going for gods. I thought we were like yeah. kids. And, Especially and- as it's not releasing in a vacuum. We have a lot of choice when it comes to our comic book stories, you know? It doesn't help that we know that all of this is going to be like scrapped anyway. Yeah, yeah like it, it, all of the DC stuff's going to be rebranded. So yeah. it's hard for me to really care or invest. Why should I watch the musicians playing on the Titanic and buy their album? You know, it's like, it's all going that's down. That's so dark. That's <laughs> yeah, so that's dark. How it, that's how it feels watching like DC films right now. It's like, why would I pay attention? This is oh. all, this is all just <laughs> oh, going to slowly sink into the ocean. Jesus. Um, and they'll do another I will one. say, I do like Zachary Levy. Yeah. He's he's nice, always good presence. presence. He's got a nice warmth to him. Yeah. Anyway, there's that. Also, I went to see yesterday the hottest show in London. I was very oh, yeah. lucky to get a ticket to Cabaret. You know, oh, yes. You heard about it? You know, the, the way they're doing it, like an exclusive. They start, the I'm, bus ads, yeah. I'm just going to take a sip of this mug because I've been holding it by my face <laughs> for about three seconds. I'm not actually doing anything. And I'm just getting really hot. 
Mm. <laughs> I've seen videos of people who keep holding their tea and they're about to take it. Yeah. And everyone's like, take a sip of your tea. Yeah. And it's been like 10 minutes of them yeah. waiting That's to take me. a sip. Yeah. Um, went to see Cabaret, uh, which was great. It's kind of half immersive experience, half theatre. Uh, you know, fantastic. And Sally Bowles is played by Amy Lou Wood. Oh, right, and Amy yeah. Wood seems to be kind of like a running thing for us because we, you and I so don't watch right now. sex education, no. right? We saw Living and we we're like, whoa, she's great. She's yeah. wonderful in that. Nominated then for a BAFTA Rising Star. Yeah. Then we, we, did, went we did, to. which we went, I went to, and, and then we rubbed shoulders with her at the Newport Beach Film Festival. Didn't yes. see her, but we could tell from afar that she looks like a lot of fun. You and me were like, that's Amy Lou Wood. That's Amy Lou Wood over there. Actually, she, we, we felt sorry for her because she was stuck talking to some really boring guy. You know, you know it, it was not, not, not anyone we know. Just, not anyone, no. no, just like some like, someone from a different like organization just being like, and here's the thing about what we were. And she was like, yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, anyway, and she's in this and I was watching and I was like, you know, she's got real star power. Yeah. She just does. I really enjoyed watching her. For, mm. and she's got a great voice. I mean, who knew? And I, it's just that thing again of, wow, here's, here's someone at the beginning of a very mm. illustrious career. Maybe this is just because I've goes. been paying attention because podcast, but I feel like we've got a really good crop of up and coming British talent. Actors. I know we always have had, but I yeah. feel like we've got there's so many people you can look at. And go, yes, like, name another good. one. Paul Mescal, <laughs> he's Irish. <laughs> sure, name another one. <laughs> Fuck, now you're asking me. Don't do that. There's no and one. And the next there's thing no you'll say, you'll, you'll go, oh, Tom Hiddleston. I'm like, he's forty. The... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <Tom> <laughs> like that's ten years out. Of, oh, Tom Hardy. Go no. to the event. There's lots of them. All sorts of good. Yeah, even if you said Taron Egerton, I'd be like, that's a bit. Yeah, even that's a bit now. old now. He's got Tetris coming out, which uh, looks good. Yes, that could a, go either is, way, but I'm going to watch it. I mean, uh, how do you make a film about Tetris? I mean, it does look like an interesting story. It's the game you know, the story you don't. Oh, I think that's brilliant. kind of. The, I played the Tetris of in front of my girlfriend the other day, and she mm. had no idea what it was. Stop. She, no, she was like bemused. She was like, "What? What is this?" And I was like, well, "It's Tetris." And I she saw didn't her know Tetris. It was like giving someone crack for the first time, and she was. And I saw her be like. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> she literally discovered like, no, where's the I, blue one? I, need- I, I could see the blocks like yeah. going in front of her eyes. She was like, oh my god! And I we oh. sucked in on that point. Sorry, talking about Tetris. If you like Tetris and you're going to watch that Tetris mm. film, one of my favorite college humor sketches. Remember college humor? Yeah, yeah. On the right, the, one of the best sketches was the Tetris God, and it was this idea that <laughs> choosing um, what the God going. brings down stuff, and he's got these two assistants, you know, and he's like. L block. A difficult choice, my lord, but the mortal can handle it. It's like square, squiggly. And then obviously it builds. And they're like, you're a cruel and angry god. Line piece. No, you toy with him, sir. Line piece. Uh, very good sketch. Yeah. Okay. Uh, welcome anyway. to episode 69. Yes, I think, I think we should say welcome because obviously a lot of returning listeners, welcome back. But you, might be, new you might be a new listener. And if you are a new listener, welcome, welcome. to the show. Uh, if you like film, you're in the right place. We'll be talking about it, having a little chit chat, mm-hmm. uh, lots to sink your teeth into. So wherever you are, uh, sit oh, tight. And welcome Ooh, hello to the show. To the show. 69 episodes in. Very yes. fun time to be us. It is. And I cut, whoa, we're creeping ahead of the old 70. Yeah, there. 70. God. I wish like, we could say we had big plans for episode 70. Yeah, it was sort of like, you know, someone who should maybe think about stepping down. Like oh, sort of, you were doing this for 70 episodes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like they didn't retire because they had a very prestigious career in their 60s, oh you know, but now it's like, maybe we should phase it back. <laughs> I can't wait for us to like exceed the lifespan and we cannot make comparisons to where we are in life. <laughs> so, well, 108. Yeah, <laughs> just on the ventilator. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, on with the show. Oh, 
just, oh, never mind. No, I just wrote your, your, your. Oh, it's fine. No, but I, it's visually, you are. But you're looking at a very grayscale version of it. Look at that one. It's I know, more colorful. It's just white on white. I, I know. Just, I just, I just think. I know what you mean, but we it's should, podcast. We should, yeah, I know, but. Too should, late now. It's a good know. thing you're in green against the green. You look like fucking hypocrite. You look like you should be doing in the prison. Rock. No, yeah, you do look <laughs> like a prison dog. And they're like, you're visiting me in prison. So like, even if I had a logo or a sticker yeah. or something, yeah. uh, maybe. <laughs> just, should I just hold this? Yeah. Uh, all right, well, I tried. George, it's fine. I know, you're I just massively think, overthinking. I know, but it, it, I just want us to be perfect. Okay. <laughs> okay. It's why I thought about what I was wearing. He's uh, also a videographer. He said that this is the best looking podcast he knows of. Not for long. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that nice though? He's like, oh, it's like best looking. Best looking. He's like, it looks better than Joe Rogan. Hell yeah. Which like Joe Rogan is, it's a bit webcammy. Yeah, it is a bit. Like obviously like very nice studio. It's very like, he's got sort of like man den, cigars, whiskey and stuff. But like, what I don't understand is with like, with um, like Howard Stern, like they film it up there mm. in like the corner. It's like like it's a really security like for TV. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So what do you? Uh, how did you work? Maybe with that's that? the trick because it's a bit, if you've got guests and there's like big camera in their face, oh, it probably what... is a bit much. Yeah, and they always sit them on a sofa, but then they yeah. put like Howard Stern in a booth, and then, and then they always the, the guest always talent always has to like lean over to kind of talk like yeah. in an awkward angle. And Howard's very comfortable. He's like, no, no, so you you do the movie. Yeah. And he says, what? He says, what do you? <laughs> just, just run me through again your, um, you got the your process. Are you gunning for the Oscar? So Kate Winslet takes the part. You don't have it? <laughs> I can't do it very well. Anyway. I think there's something about the way his mic is. It's like, it's very croaky. It's that kind he's, of... He's also just... He's, he's been doing it for 30 years. He's, he's 30, 40 years. Tone, the volume is always the, the same. same. Whereas you and I, we go... Oh, <laughs> don't we? My God. And he's just blah, blah, blah. Okay, so a few weeks ago, we got an email from best friend of the show. Best friend of the show? Bevan. Oh. Bevan. Bevan. Oh, Bevan. Oh, I'm usually meant to think of... Oh. (laughs) A Bevan Nation army couldn't hold me back. Because you make me feel like (laughs) I'm in lockdown of Bevan. Bevan, I'm sorry, but you did request it. S Club Bevan. Here we go. Anyway, welcome, Bevan. Bevan writes in. You, was Bevan our first email? No, she was like she wrote in uh, one there, of the first weeks. I want to make a point email. of this, but there are other listeners, and there yeah, are other people who email in. And and we, everyone is we special tried to in my read eyes. Everyone out, but we mentioned Bevan because all like we don't know any other Bevans. <laughs> I've never met another Bevan. And I think it's quite nice to say, yeah, Bevan wrote an email. Bevan. Um, uh, and uh, and also it's specific, Bevan's first email was specific to Irish cinema. Bevan so always giving loads Irish, of love on Irish social cinema. media as well, straight in with a like yeah. on all the stuff. You know that really bit at the end just... of the episode where we say like and subscribe and give us a thumbs up. Bevan, Bevan does Bevan it, Bevan to be fair. smashing her phone every time that happens. <laughs> That's why we have so much love for Bevan. Bevan writes in and says, hey guys, she actually writes in with a very... Very funny story that we can't read out on the show, but it, Bevan, just so you know, we both read it. We thought it was hilarious yes. and it was great. Thanks for um, She then writes it about God's creatures. I think you mentioned one thing, which I'm just going to omit from the email. So when I go, hmm, that means I'm just omitting a certain plot point from okay. the email, but that's it. So this is teeing about, up your review. This is teeing up my review. Ben, Bevan says, hi guys. Hope you're both doing well. Thank you, Bevan. I, I am. Hope you are too. The reason I'm writing in, I saw God's creatures two weeks ago. I was really intrigued because it was Paul Meskel, who I love, playing a more hmm kind of role, which is quite different from what we've seen him do. Recently, also, I've been trying to go to films without researching slash reading too much about them beforehand because it just ruins the film for me personally. Because then I have someone else's thoughts already kind of telling me what to think, if that makes sense. Bevan. 
Totally makes sense. Legit. Try and do that as much as you can. And I'll get into why for God's creatures, if you can, know as little as possible going in. And I will do my best to not talk too much okay, about the good. plot. Um, it's like George in the film trailers, if that makes sense. So I was going yes. into this film pretty blind, not knowing about it except the cast. And I was gripped by this film. The soundscape was the first thing that I noticed. The use of music and sound design throughout the piece made for a gripping addition to the well-told story. The acting from all involved was exceptional, with particularly memorable performances from Ashling Franciosi. Is it Ashling? Is that how you say it? Ashling Franciosi? Oh, yeah. I think it's Ashling yeah. Franciosi, Emily Watson, and Paul Meskell. A story that could happen anywhere, but with this Irish small town setting, it feels all the more personal and real. It's not out for a few weeks, I don't think, here, so I imagine it's the same time in the UK when you have a chance to see it. I would love Yous. to hear your <laughs> thoughts. Just bear with throwing yeah. in a bit of Irish. Thank you for that email, the Banshees of Inner Bevan. Yes. <laughs> I've been loving the pod and games at the end of the pod too. The one word association one is my fave, but I find I say other films to the ones you have listed sometimes. Lol. Looking forward to hearing the next step. And when you read this email, which song you put my name into next? Well, Your friend. Sierra. Well, you got many there. Um, I hope that I can kind of see, you know how like we keep like reinventing the games and now it's like just yeah. one word. Yes. I can't wait to be like, what film am I guessing based on how high I raise my eyebrows? <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. just like... <laughs> so like do you remember twitch? like in like episode three i tried to do an audio described version of a film poster mm. and that was impossible i would get <laughs> it would go really nowhere hard. online now anyway god's creatures go James, so bevan's teed us up then what's it about it's exactly right this is what i'm gonna say i knew very little yeah. about god's creatures going in the only thing i knew was that bevan had recommended it i'd kind of heard about it but yeah. i knew nothing Same. about the I plot. knew that Paul Meskell was in it and it was like everyone yes. was saying well that's the next thing he's in after all this Oscar buzz exactly and I'm really glad I didn't know much about it and I'm going to do my best to tell you I think the film is great and I think you should go and see it but I'm not going to sort of tee up what these themes are about if you do want to go and see it don't google it don't try and get a sense of what this film was trying to tackle because it does it really well so God's Creatures is directed by Sheila or Sailor Davis, sorry if I haven't got that right, and Anne Rose Holmer. And it's their first time doing a feature as a debut director combo. And it's called God's Creatures, and it is set in a very small, remote Irish fishing village. And it's one of those very small towns where everyone who works in the town works in the fishing industry. And you've got this sort of gendered divide between the men of the town who go out very early in the morning or even in the middle of the night when the tide is at its lowest to mm -hmm. go out and catch fish and to farm oysters from these trestles mm. where they go out and get it. And um, the women, uh, one of the women which is played by Emily Watson, works in a seafood sorting facility where the oysters and the fish come on these conveyor belts and they sort it and check them and yeah. throw out the old ones. And everyone who basically works there works for this fishing industry. And from the get-go, in the opening scene, uh, some one of the men has died from being out at sea. And you get this very immediate sense that the water and how fast the tide rise and falls and comes in and out mm. is very dangerous. And it is very quick to change. The wind sweeps across this, this town. And at any moment, there is this impending sense of threat and danger and doom. And one of the sort of mothers of the town is absolutely distraught because she's she's lost her son to the, to the fishing. Um, Emily, Emily Watson's son, played by Paul Meskell, uh, out of nowhere comes back into this this town and we know that he is basically for some reason moved to Australia kind of sort of wandering as a nomad and for some reason we don't know why he has decided to come back into the town okay. he's kind of lost for something to do so what does he decide to do he's like right I'm gonna go and um 
find our find our oyster farming. I'm going to sort of set that up again, lay it all out, build it, start a harvest that you know in a year's time we can make. Just sort of get back on my feet, reconnect with the local town, and. That sort of creates a lot of politics because because everyone works in this fishing village, they're very much beholden to who gets access to what resources, who's got access to the nets. There's all sorts of difficulties to do with the way in which the water comes in and whether or not you have access to actually go and right. fish and how dangerous that is. And also... Um, People can be poaching other people's things. It's very political over who gets the chance to mm -hmm. actually go out. If, for example, there is a fungus that infects one of the crop of their oysters, the whole fishing operation of that town has to shut down, right? Wow. That means that the men can no longer go out to go get fish or they'll have their license suspended. And therefore, there's no fish for the women who work in the seafood factory Jeez. to process. So no one can work. God. So you, you really get the sense that, you know, what happens to this environment and who works on it very much sort of people are really this, like beholden to this, this ecosystem is so fragile not just obviously of the literal ecosystem you just said but the, exactly yeah. and there are sort of certain awkward dynamics that come in when paul mescal comes back into the fray into this film it is a oh so a24 cloudy overcast <laughs> windswept gray uh, austere slightly bleak gorgeous to look at but whilst you could look at it and say, oh, it's very grey and sort of slightly flat, yeah. there is such a wonderful and uh, purposeful use of colour. And mm. I absolutely fell in love with the cinematography. And you can, there's a lot of things which I think could pass you by, but once you start noticing the little cues it's giving you and mm. the way in which it purposefully uses colour, it's so many interesting ideas start going through your head. And nice. I don't want to say anything more about the plot, apart from the fact that it was it ended and I thought, wow, I'm so many ideas mm. are, are running through my head. And I really think when you do see it, you yeah. and I should have a catch-up conversation about yeah. what this film was about. Bevan mentioned the score, and I have to agree with her. It is beautiful and uplifting and sweeping, but also there's so many moments where the score really like fractures and breaks and screeches. And I mentioned in the beginning, there's this very clear impending sense of doom and warning and that is you know done all the way throughout both with mm. its score and its use of color the use of the color red i found i immediately sort of knew, knew what they were doing and i thought it meant one thing in the way which they were invoking this color and then towards the end it made you feel something completely different about what it was mm. doing color the way in which it uses color to show present one thing in one frame at the end of a scene and then it starts the next frame and the way in which something like religious iconography is immediately oh, wow. replaced over that was just brilliant mm. again ideas i'd love Symbolic. to unpack once we get into it um th there is this idea again just to rip off what bevan said about a story that has happened uh, could happen everywhere and could probably have happened a million times in a million different communities but is shown what happens when it happens to a very small community okay. i thought was brilliant you framed a really big problem that is universal and you've attributed it and used the lens of a very small cohesive family unit in a town to make a much bigger point mm -hmm. really uh, emily watson is such a powerhouse yeah. in this she's got these wonderful big eyes where every single look and blink could just mean a thousand different words she is so good in this paul mescal is doing something completely different in this and he continues to be one of the most interesting Shocker. actors around <laughs> yeah sure i feel like who, really who boring <laughs> just saying like all of the same things we've been saying for a while um, and also shout out to ashling franciosi um I don't want to say anything else about it right, apart don't, from please yeah. go and see it. It was a joy to look at, a joy to hear, and the performances are incredible. And I, I, I want to, it's frustrating because I could easily go in and sort of talk more about yeah. its themes. Please go and seek God's Creatures Out. It's very good. Thank you. I will definitely try and watch that by the next time you record. Yeah. So we can tee it up now.
let people go and watch it and then you and I can catch up about it next week. Yes. I've heard really good things and that's just definitely set me up for it. Um, it reminds me, I mean, I haven't seen that film so I don't think mm. there's, I don't want to stretch the comparison here. Did you ever see Bait from like four years no. ago? It's a Cornish film. I, I only thought about it because it's about a small uh, fishing community but or, in Cornwall but that's all, that also doubles as a um, second home tourist uh, right. yeah. venue, um, destination. And so the the whole plot of that is that you know you've got this kind of like lobster catchers and fishers, but then there's this compromise of making like t- making boat rides for the tourists when yep. they come down, and these people who come out from out of town and just don't understand they they spend uh, you know six weeks of a summer in a much better house than people live in all year that yep. community, uh, and that tension's really great. But the way that bait was filmed was it was shot basically like 1920s like Russian uh, montage films where it was made on really low grade film stock, black yeah. and white film stock with audio post-synced. And it's that kind of thing of like, a, you know, that kind of audio crackle. Mm. And it would be a dead, like, still no camera panning or anything, just static, like, what are we doing about doing that later then? Mm. I think we should do this. And, and, and it creates that kind of weird, slightly timeless, but also a slightly surreal thing. Mm. And there's moments in it where they do flash forwards, which are really clever. I'm not, I don't know how re- relevant that is to that, but I just thought I'd also flag up that film because that's another gem out there, uh, similarly about what, Coastal Conflict. Yes, uh, uh, a film that immediately came to mind to me, which you could draw a lot of comparisons to, is What Richard Did. Yes. Very, very oh, similar. And I, I, once I sort of, you know, I, I loved the cinematography and I Googled the cinematographer, which is done by Chase Irvin. And I sort of looked at an interview he did about this and he was talking about the use of color, which was really brilliant. And what was interesting is he also shot Andrew Dominic's Blonde, mm, which beautiful looking a be- film. beautiful looking film, but visually you would not know that this is from the same person. No. Like uh, God's Creatures really really does try to shoot on longer lenses to keep you at a real distance from its characters and I think not trying to give you Mm. one person's perspective and to look at afar from who these people are whereas I'd say that in Blonde we have a much more intimate and up close portrayal of Marilyn Monroe and those characters I found it really interesting to see that both from the same person's Mm. work um but yeah adored the way it looked great It's, it's not just an overcast Irish film and I'd say this and Women Talking have shot straight to the top mm. of my the films of 2023. Great. And you could do an incre- an elite double bill. Of small town communities. Small town communities doing back to back with these films. If you, if you haven't seen yeah. Women Talking and God's Creatures, you could no, watch them both okay, great. And, and have a very, very good time. On the director duos. So have these directors done solo work individually but it's the first sure. they've come together to they've work, done they've done i think they've done some shorter projects together but this is their first as a duo feature right because there was uh last week the film you reviewed last week 65 that was direct mm. that was a director duo when you mentioned that remember because yes. scream six was also a director duo right okay and uh obviously the daniels have just won the award the oscar for yeah. directing director duo mm. and it got me thinking about whether that's a more common thing now, more prevalent, are we seeing an increase in the amount of director duos? Um, you know, the Coen brothers is probably the most famous mm-hmm. example. And it's like, but I remember seeing an interview with Daniel Kwan where he talks about what he enjoys about being in a director duo. And that, you know, you do get to, uh, with, especially with a film like Everything Everywhere All at Once, where, you know, you're 
so often probably coming up with really exciting ideas. You're like, oh my God, I don't know whether that'll work. But you have someone immediately right there that you can bounce it off of. Or when you're trying to work at that energy, someone's mm. flagging, the other person can come and say, no, let's build you back up again. There are probably pros and cons, and maybe it just suits people's working style. I'm sure some people are just completely on their own. But, yeah. but I'm wondering if like the demands of filmmaking now are getting so are just so much that actually the model works better when it's a director duo team. Mm. Um, and, and, then, and then it's more of a, I don't know. All I could say is, Doing this show as a duo, if I was doing, if either of us were doing this solo, completely Such different operation, different... and this is a tiny little podcast we're running. <laughs> Imagine also, making like, a film. The, the complication of being uh, with a duo is that you've also got to be on the same line as that person. You've got to basically, like, in one sense, there's, there's a benefit. If you think about- You sense check everything, right? Yeah, you have, like, if you're the Russo brothers and you're right, doing and Thank game, you, another one. What yeah. an undertaking to try and yeah. do that versus like the directors can have two simultaneous conversations with actors and yeah. actually get twice the work done and you've got all of that to do. Yeah. Also, but then you've got to like not be checking in with each other and be like, well, what do we think about this? You can't be like they've deciding be on mind. the day. Completely in one piece. And yeah. also like you can imagine on the day when there are people are running up to them with loads of problems. Yeah. There's two of them. You've just- Double the problem solving. Double the problem solving, yeah. hopefully. Yeah. Um, mm, that's a good, the Russo brothers, I haven't thought about Because I've had people be like, oh yeah, like really want to do a podcast. Like, cause I've seen you do it. I'm like, oh yeah, like by all means, go for it. Like, yeah, like, I want to do it. So it's like me and three other people we want to like, and I was like, by all means, go for it. But I would hate to have to organize the schedules of four people to yeah. meet every week. Again, podcasting is not making a film. But I was like, just organizing that yeah. and deliberating between that many people sounds like an absolute nightmare to yeah. me. We're just, I mean, just, yeah, just taking that as like a kind of flippant example. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway, okay, God's Creatures, I will definitely check that out. I hope we can talk about it next week. Have you seen God's Creatures like Bevan have? Do you disagree with James? Do you agree with James? Let us know your thoughts at hello at pulpkitchenpodcast.com. I just want to bring a film up that relates to our blind spots. You know, every oh, yeah. so often we talk about big films that we haven't seen that mm. are often referenced in pop culture and we haven't got to them. I ticked off a massive blind spot in my film knowledge this, well th- this week. Uh, a cult film that has just grown and just... Be- I see... Ref- I've had it, I have had it... As long as I've been into film, I've heard this film referenced all the time mm. and I was like, I will get to that eventually. And I finally did. And that film is Evil Dead 2. Evil Deader. <laughs> <laughs> too dead, too, too evil. Dead to do, too um, evil. So, for context, if people don't know, why is this film significant and why did I go and watch it? Having not seen Evil Dead 1, mm. okay? So first of all, this is Sam Raimi's like big thing, right? Sam Raimi made Evil Dead and obviously uh, then Evil Dead 2 and he also made the Darkman trilogy and then eventually Spider-Man mm. and Oz the Great and Powerful, which is a rogue one to bring up because he also yeah. that, that absolutely tanked. But yeah. uh, he then most recently did uh, Multiverse of Madness. So he's just a consistent director who's been around for a while. And he has this kind of... Uh, every, it all comes back to Evil Dead because that's where he honed his craft and cut his teeth with this kind of sort of... Anar- um, sorry, uh, yeah, anarchic, horror, comedy, grotesque, gross-out mm. stuff. Um, I The reason I went straight in with Evil Dead 2 instead of Evil Dead is because Evil Dead 2 is not only rated much more highly than other by most people, but it basically remakes the first film in the first 20 minutes and then carries on. So it's, it acts as both a sequel to and a remake of the first one, which sounds completely bizarre, but it okay. just, this film behaves to its own logic, right? So it just, just makes sense straight away. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously it's a setup. It's like, you know, a cabin in the woods, 
guy goes there with his girlfriend, there's a book, and it's literally like the mummy, you know, that you should not read from the book. And he accidentally presses, someone's left a tape recording recanting these spells from this book, and he accidentally clicks play, and it plays the recantation, and then, you know, like, soon don't watch the tape. In the and ring. it looks like it was made for a budget of about 3p and a bit of shoelace, right? Yeah. Which, but that's part of its charm. Lovely. So he made Evil Dead in the late 70s, then it took him ages and he came back and basically redid it slash made a sequel to it with Evil Dead 2. Now, why is it like a huge cult following? Because it is completely loony. It is the most bonkers fun, so much fun, mm. uh, and completely just original, like um, passionate like uh, exercise I've watched in such a long time. So I watched it with four mates with loads of pizza, turn all the lights off, put this thing on full blast. And it's like, it's to call it horror is, is kind of misgiving because it's got a horror setting, horror tropes, and definitely horror gore and horror prosthetics and all of that stuff. But it, it has kind of the logic of, when we were talking about it as friends, we said, imagine a Treehouse of Horror episode from The Simpsons, but in real life, okay? There is, um, I'm, I, an example is like, there's one bit where his hand gets possessed and, you know, it, it, the hand tries to attack him like the pen is blue scene from mm. the liar liar right and you could have this really like grotesque thing but you get this kind of scene of physical comedy where bruce campbell who's brilliant as, as a physical comedian like running around this haunted cabin with this hand that's trying to kill him and, it, and is making these kind of like <laughs> squishy noises yeah. and it's like grabbing plates and smashing them on his head um and then you've got things like reanimated corpses coming out with chainsaws and it's just it's like do you remember that did you see that nick cage film mandy no right like if, if anyone ever saw that it's like that but with a huge sense of humor and half the length okay right okay um and you've got just buckets of blood huge like you know in the, you know in the thing I've seen clips of like, yeah. the level of blood it's out of control and the and you know john carpenter's the thing right the prosthetics and the yeah, stuff. imagine yeah. that but like it just like many fold it's so distinct and fun and everything i know i know this is kind of out random because i'm bringing up a film from no. like 40 years ago whatever but I bring it up for a reason, which I'll get to. But if it, I, it was an absolute who, and I was like, I'm so glad I've seen this. It's not like anything. It's just so full of energy, and we were laughing. Uh, just so, and it's guess how long it is, James? Oh, you said short, and say what? Eighty? It's eighty-five minutes. Oh. It's golden. Oh, and it just, especially the first twenty minutes, it's yeah. like, yeah, we will make no space. We're just gonna go, 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 go. Mm. I mean, like, it, it, it's like gruesome and grisly when it needs to be. But Evil Dead Two, what a load of fun! Glad I saw it. Mm. The reason I bring it up is because it got us thinking, and a game I would like to play with you, which is about sequels that might be better than their originals. Oh yeah. So okay. I'm gonna read out some of them. A list of films, and I want you to tell me. Is the sequel better it's, than the original? Exactly. Okay. I'm going to do it quick fire. Are you happy with that? Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay, so James. I've already got so many coming to my head. <laughs> okay, I'm going to read out some films. Mm -hmm. Okay, so here we go then. I've just got a couple. And if you've got any more afters, we can do that. Okay. okay. So, Alien or Aliens? Uh, I'm going to say Alien still for me. Personally. Okay, but okay. I, 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 you make a good, I think you make a very close comparison call. Blade Runner or Blade Runner 2049? <laughs> Oh, I'm going to say 2049. Oh, even though okay. I think Blade Runner is, without a doubt, uh, an amazing classic, what I'd rather watch tomorrow is Blade Runner 2049. Interesting. But I think that's a personal subjective thing. Okay. Top Gun or Top Gun Maverick? Maverick. Yeah, me too. Hands Easy. Down. Terminator or Terminator 2? Ooh, let's go Terminator 2. I let's think go so Terminator too. 2. But I think Terminator is also fantastic. I think Terminator 2 has just... It's the brand... That is the kind of the key brand 
identity of Terminator that we think of. You've watched the first one. It's yeah. still a little bit B-movie. You know, yeah. it's still a little bit like grungy. It's very dark. Like, it's literally dark. It's set all at night. Yeah. And the whole nightclub thing and like the identity of the Terminator. It really is like 80s grungy VHS. Yes, it, it is. It's, and you know that bit when he's like getting the, the pencil and the screw knife to oh, his the eye. iconic peels the yeah. thing off. Yeah. But, but it's much more emotionally interesting in the second one with the fact that the Terminator is now a benevolent figure. Mm. And then you've got the whole thing with, you know, uh, John Connor's relationship with his mother. Mm. They they love each other, but, you know, she went rogue because of inheriting trauma from the first event. I think it's much more interesting, the second one. And obviously the VFX with the the liquid, you know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, all of that. Uh, Toy Story 1 or Toy Story 2? Toy Story 2. Yeah, I think I I could go for that. That was in my head when you started saying this. I think, but Why? Um, I think Toy Story 2 is more complete as an emotional journey than Toy Story mm. 1. There's a lot more to pluck at your heartstrings. I think the action scenes in Toy Story 2 are incredible. Like the idea of the conveyor belt uh, airport oh, luggage, yeah. I think, is brilliant. brilliant. And then catching the plane, I thought was incredible. The whole Jessie, when I went, she um, loved me. Yeah. That just breaks your heart. It's what a sequel should be, which is yeah. it takes them, makes And then what, what they break into the... That building, the code, Al's the toy barn. codes, yeah, Al's toy barn, oh and god. the whole thing was Zerg, and they rip off Empire Strikes Back. Oh my god! And the um, and the 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 the, um, the Barbies having the party, you know, yeah. when they're driving in the car. Yeah, oh, oh my god! god. I really want to rewatch like, the toy yeah, shop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Such a genius <laughs> idea. Of course, they're all like running around. Yeah, Toy Story, a Stinky P. Yeah, Toy Story Two. Yeah, incredible. I mean, obviously, perfect trilogy. Really, yes, it yeah. is a perfect trilogy. But uh, if you had to choose one, just going back to what you said, I think I would personally choose. Aliens over Alien. Yeah, okay. I love Alien. Yeah, but Aliens I could just throw on any time. Yeah, I love it. I love how crafted it is. I love the characters. I love the way it's done. I love its restraint. We've we've covered this before, yeah. but like the fact that there is no alien in Aliens until about mm. an hour through is crazy. I think I, I know, for me watching Alien One was like really formative experience of new, right. new way of capturing horror and just how silent I felt my brain went watching it and how I just yeah. couldn't and how much of a slow burn it is. How normal the, Ooh, cut, the yeah. conversations felt on board and the design is obviously what it's yeah. well known for. I, I think just, that's fair. It, it's always like burnt into my brain. And then I would say I actually prefer Godfather to Godfather Part Two, not mm-hmm. because I don't like Godfather Part Two. Godfather Part Two is is longer. Again, not mm. a, I don't have a thing with length, but it's like three hours thirty. And I think now the Vito Corleone Young De Niro thing could be its own. Film. I was meant to watch it with a friend a few weeks ago before I went away, but then I couldn't. We were scheduled to watch oh, it. It's and make great. I mean, and, it, and have a night in Dirt, but we couldn't do it. Also, Godfather One has Brando, and Brando's so iconic in it. And I just love to watch that. Um, Okay, well, that's a few. Are there any other sequels that you think... We mentioned last week Empire Strikes Back over A New Hope. It's yes. a better sequel. Agreed. Agreed. Um, yeah, typically, the sequels, to Spider-Man 2 to Spider-Man 1 in Tobey sure. Maguire's is, is X-Men better, 2 but I love X-Men both. 1? Um, yeah, yeah, X-Men 2. I haven't seen those X-Men's yeah. in a really long time, but I think people regard two more than one. What about... Too Fast, Too Furious, or The Fast and the Furious. Again, I have seen those, like the early Fasts I saw once. At the time. Ages yeah. ago. Like, no, like when they would have come on TV, sure, they would have sure. tricked it out on TV. So again, I couldn't I couldn't comment. But I, I see uh, The Fasts as a thing. Yeah, but The like Furious is. Mission, like Mission Impossible. <laughs> oh God, yeah. Had a soft reboot. Yes, they did. On, I want to say like four or five. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like the, the series has very much been its own. Th- again, Mission like, Impossible from Also, four. like what they're doing with Scream as well. Like they did that. Yeah. yeah. I, I very much view those franchises in, as in two halves, sort of finding their way. And yeah. they're like, hey, we're doing this. We're doing like seven of these. You know what's annoying me is we've got Fast X coming out. Fast 10, and it's yeah. And it's the beginning of the end. 
Can't we have just finished it as yeah, like, yeah, I, yeah. you're going to do another one. Like, so don't call it Fast X.2, Fast Fast X, again, not invested really in this, is going to end on some sort of, it's going to be the part one film. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Go, oh, yeah. Milk the cow for all the cash oh, we can. Yeah. Um, Why make one billion dollars when you can make two billion <laughs> Austin Powers 1 or Austin Powers 2? I would say Austin Powers 2. I think two. When I watched those a lot when I was a kid, always two and three I would revisit. Spy and Shagney. Spy and Shagney and yeah. Goldmember. Yeah. Because they just get really silly, really yeah. funny. And, yeah. I, and I love that. you got Mini-Me and, you know, Fat Bastard. Else? There's probably loads of other Ace Ventura 2 is often funnier Ace Ventura than Ace Ventura 2. Yeah, the first one. You got the rhino scene. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, very problematic. Some of those films now. Yeah, uh, but we're not I've not seen them in so long. But I've been meaning to like go the first. Back one, the whole reveal, the twist at the end of the first one is now a bit like. Dark Knight, uh, Black Man Begins, people would say. Yeah, yeah, of yeah. course, that's very good. If there are any other sequels that we are missing that sequels are better are than the originals, then do let us know. We also live in an era where there's like belated sequels, like 2049 and, mm. and Maverick. Yes. I think very... I would say, I think I would still take the original Blade, Blade Runner, Runner because there's something just so... I think I'm giving balletic. points to 2049 for being as good as it as was. It was. It's, I'm almost like you've, you've earned more respect for not sucking. Do you know what I think will be better is I think Dune Part 2 will be better than Dune Part 1. Yeah, uh, I think... I, I, I very much, Every time you bring up Dune, I'm like, I almost reserve judgment on giving too much of an opinion because it's such a half story we've received. Yeah. It's like a really like well-delivered, beautifully presented, well-acted, well-written... Half a season. Half a, half a season. Like, yeah. So like, I can't really give a judgment because I haven't read, weird. I don't it's know like, the material. We like, came out, we we're like, oh, what, what It's like a tab you've left open in your mind. Yeah. You haven't, you're not able to close yet, but you haven't been able, so you can't really give any... I feel like I've stopped halfway through a film and yeah. I'm not therefore we, we, I can therefore give it or be on a film whether it's good. We've watched a four hour film <laughs> with, with an interval. The interval just happens to be two years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I look forward to covering it when we when we see it. This um, this this autumn. Okay, yeah, let us know about sequels, guys. If you are we specifically saying like the second of a film? Because I would say like Skyfall is is the best. Uh, I think bonds. when you get some multiple series and mm. iterations, MCU, even mm. superhero stuff, it gets too much. But like Rocky's all allowed. The super, the original Superman, Superman film, Superman Two, over Superman One. Is that with the the original? That's um, with um, Richard no, Reeves. Thank you, Reeves. Christopher Reeves. Thank yeah. you. Um, you've got the uh, you've got General General Zod, Terrence Stamp. Yes. Yeah. You've got like uh, Clark and Lois sure. and Niagara Falls. I don't think I've ever seen those. I, like I, I think I might have seen Superman two when I was about six. I watched Superman one. Want to say twenty nineteen. That and must it have is dated. A, so it much. is a, no. It is a joy to watch. Really, it's it's completely um like oh like I am gonna yeah. save you. It's such a sort of cuboid film. Yeah, <laughs> just like the most simple. You know what I mean? It's yeah, like yeah. the most simple. Here is a movie. Yeah. We're gonna run around the world to save it. But it was so uplifting and joyful. I was like, God, they just don't make. It was a simpler time. Yeah, a simpler, simpler film, time. And I loved it for what it was at that moment. I actually really enjoyed watching it. Fantastic. Anyway, sequels, guys. Let us know. James, before we read our listeners' emails, I want to just answer or go back to a question that was asked a few weeks ago that we yes. spent a lot of time on the spot debating over, which was who'd we have over for dinner? Do you remember? Oh, okay. And yeah. we kind of just came up to a arrived at a it's list. It's a long one, just, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was about nine people, maybe seven guests plus us. And, you know, I think I would change it. I think we had like Jim Carrey in there and stuff. And Cancel was, the invites. Well, first of all, I would say that actually a person I would really 
I think Jim Carrey would be too much, and what I would swap him out for would be Bo Burnham. Oh, I love Bo Burnham. Bo Burnham One would be funny, comedians. gracious, but very interesting, very yes. passionate. He could, always, he would match the tone of the evening wherever it went. I always catch clips of him talking really well about our age of social media yeah. and information, very, and, and how we sort of yeah. discourse with each other. He's he really would, good at it. He would suit every single like key point of an evening. A dinner evening yeah the light fun at the beginning the dinner chat the 2 a.m around the mm. around the fire outside yeah the, and watch um, his film eighth grade if you haven't seen oh, it yet wonderful it's, film. it's very good but i was then talking to my girlfriend and that idea you know i mentioned that i think i'd rather do it as couples mm-hmm. she refined it and i think came up with a good one which is just right so you know couples already sorted you and your other half my me and my other half okay yeah uh john krasinski and emily blunt great they'd be good fun great fun um george and amal clooney because <sighs> yeah uh, then it's not all film per- people. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Amal Clooney... Else. Someone's talking about something else. That's uh, something very important. Yeah. Great. John Krasinski and George Clooney have worked together in the past. Which what did they do? And a very forgotten film called Leatherheads about American football in the oh, 20s. Anyway. Okay. Yeah. Um, but like there's... And, you know, again, George Clooney can do serious. George Clooney mm-hmm. can do fun. It's a nice bit of charm there. Mm-hmm. I'd love to hear what Amal Clooney's doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a house near where my parents live where i'm originally from and i could be oh, like nice. oh i've been to that area and they could great. be like that's great dinner chat sorted <laughs> and then <laughs> uh, anna my girlfriend she did come up with this idea that this isn't a couple but these are two v- famous celebrities that are very good friends that would come and would be good fun which is pedro pascal and sarah paulson oh i, I didn't know they were friends they were really good friends yeah i love sarah paulson she's terrific totally and they again she can be funny she can mm. be serious and say with pedro pascal what a great evening that and would pedro be pedro pascal so hot right now exactly He'd be the big one to they, walk in the room all those people give me nice uh respectful warm mm. emotionally intelligent conversation and then i'd be there like guess the movie <laughs> Can you guess the film? George Clooney, Amal Clooney edition. Yeah. Guess the human rights abuse in three, two, yeah. one. She's a human rights lawyer. That's, yeah, the, yeah. Joke. That's the joke. Anyway, that was the answer thrown back. Do you like the fact that I keep answering yeah, I these questions it. three weeks later? I'm just imagining you on the tube being like, ah, oh, I should take Sarah <laughs> No, I think Pedro Pascal has just the, uh, become the default escort vulnerable smaller thing to place. Yes. That's yes. just what he does yes. now. I look forward to the, the gritty reboot of him as a, like a UPS driver. <laughs> yeah. I got this package for you. It's the box and it's a poodle. He's like, oh my God, <laughs> I can't take you this far. All right, on with some emails then, James. You go first. First email is from William. William writes into the show and says, hi, James and George. George and James, whatever. I George and James. James and George. Well, yeah, I you, think usually we say James and George because if you look at our thumbnail, James is on the left. Left and right, yeah. So like Anton Deck. However, I would also say that if you are looking at us in like TikTok world, mm. you tend to talk from the left. I talk from the left, you're right. Yeah. But then we're talking from a very English Euro specific way of reading text, aren't Hebrew. we? <laughs> if you're reading, yeah, you'd read right to left. Yes. And in some places in the world, up to down. I once read a thing which is, uh, true for a lot of things, but not ever, which is the vowel sound that is alphabetically ahead goes first. So J and then jaw. So oh, that makes sense. A, B, C, that's D. usually, so like ant and de, deck. Yeah, that makes it's sense. It's not true for everything, but you'll find the majority of name combos, the, 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 the vowel sound also, of the alphabet works. not to overanalyze it, but like James is quite open springing sound. And George, I think you land on the George. Yeah. Jaw. You're up yeah, with the James and, and you're down George. with the jaw, which yeah. is how we tend to finish a sentence bbc news london there have been many deaths this week that's (laughs) all for now see you next week anyway what does william say i'm really enjoying the last of us on hbo have you finished it yet yeah i have not 
With the finale coming this week at the time of recording, I think it cements Craig Mazin as HBO's best creative force alongside his work on Chernobyl. Mazin and Druckmann, Druckmann wrote and directed the game, yeah. uh, have clearly understood what to keep and what not to when translating the game to screen to the point where it makes me incredibly jealous. This is coming from someone who was burned a few years ago by the drastic adaptation of the War of the Worlds book by the BBC and Mammoth Screen. He thought it started out okay before showing its seams with its production budget, VFX, and general misunderstanding of what events from the book to use yeah. dramatic impact. The Battle of Thunderchild scene in the series compared to the book and the Jeff Wayne album was pathetic. Wow. It was too short for a book with different perspectives and great detail. How, I, however, respect how it tried to modernize it, modernize it the idea that the Martians were trying to pollute the Earth and therefore change right. the climate to be suitable for their kind, naturally bringing in questions of survival of the fittest. I and I that, see this... Oh, sorry, sorry. No, well, no, I, don't, I thought that was in the original story with the red mm. the red weed, or it's called, like the red, the red little vines. Th- yes. Yeah. Um, and I see this sort of modernization done, uh, done even better in The Last of Us show. When you think about how the relationships between characters are done, it makes me think Mazin and this material would be this, his next perfect marriage. So I ask you, what creator do you wish adapted what creator do you wish adapted your favorite source material oh into a TV God. show or film? Whoa. It could be a book, game, or whatever you like, and what would you want them to bring? P.S. Thematic controversial opinion is that I don't think Uncharted is that bad a film. I kind of agree. But I wish it adapted the games linearly. I also need the contact details of the person who said that Tron Legacy was great brackets, touche, but thought that Django Unchained was awful. What? WTAF? <laughs> kind regards, William Franz. Um, just quickly, yeah, Uncharted is no, it's not good, but it's no way near as bad sure. as it looked like or could have been. Right. It's like, fairly forgettable and passable. But anyway, uh, um, just, just on, oh, sorry, we both, <laughs> you go. Just on War of the Worlds before we get to the, the main question. Yes. Um, the, yes, because the BBC did a, uh, a direct adaptation that's period specific, right? Mm. And then about a year later, they did Sorry. another modern adaptation series, which had Daisy Edgar Jones in it before she went into Normal People. God, miss me, and yeah. like, and it was kind of like she then went huge because of Normal People, mm. but then she still was clearly contractually obliged to be in the show. So I think they quickly wrote her out of season two. Uh. Um, it's got Gabriel Byrne, and I think they're still making it. But like, so we've had two War of the Worlds seasons in the, the past five mm. years. Um, Back to but, back oh, but to wait, 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 just want to Jeff make Wayne. Wait, Jeff Wayne's album. Uh, he mentioned. Do you, do, you, do you know the Jeff Wayne musical album? No. War of the Worlds. This came out in the eighties, and then I, I came, when I was like ten, I heard it played. It is well, it's that. It's a, it's a rock album, narrative audio book kind of thing, and uh, it's a little naff, but it completely rocks. Okay, the, right. the music in it is like you got Richard Burton doing the narration, and then it's like boom, 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 boom. And then it comes in with the, like the 80s sort of bam, bam, bam. Uh, it's a hell of a bop and I have no shame in listening to it. So that's great. But back to what you were going to say. Back to, back to back up the email. Right. We're crawling back up. Just your point about, you know, the success of Maiden and Druckmann adapting. You made a comment about what to keep and what not to keep when translating the game to the screen. And I know I haven't finished the show yet, but I'm nearly there. But, you know, uh, watching it, there's been a couple of different moments where I've gone, oh, they've, they've taken, they've not like, gone for that bit they've moved that out or they've taken this tiny idea and fleshed it out i.e episode three the more i keep watching it the more i'm like yeah you can't one for one adapt game and and i really love the moments where they've stripped it back and gone we can't just do this one for one but there have been a cut there was a certain moment where the henry and sam 
uh, interaction, which I actually think hit a lot harder in the game than it did in the show. And I think there's just been different framings yeah. for how they want to create that relationship between Joel and Ellie and what the costs yeah. are. And then you cut to the next episode, which is them really for the first time going like, well, what are we doing here? Yeah. And why am I hanging out with you? Yeah. And that whole moment where she's like, everyone who's ever died and left me yeah. has left me apart from you. And I was like, oh, that's such a now like new framing to understand yeah. that even though you've missed out certain bits. And I'm going to get to the end, which I hear is a little bit different, but just um, it's done very well. Well, the thing is, that uh, sorry, we are going to talk about The Last of Us now, just, just yeah, quickly yeah. on that point, because... Um, I watched it, finished it, liked it. Mm. I my personal thing is that I think it was yeah perfectly solid, good, good show. Mm. I still think it peaked early. The what first episode I thought was great. Just the whole outbreak sequence in the first episode was just so tense, so engaging. What a great way to get you in. And then you get episode three with the uh, Bill and Frank, which mm. is just brilliant. Just like such a high, mm. such a great piece of television. I remember feeling afterwards, I was like, I don't know where to get, where, where can this go from there? Because that was such a good thing. I, mm. I played the games once 10 years ago. And what I found is that through every episode, I would, my brain would just suddenly re- remind me of something that I thought I'd forgotten. And what yeah. I, 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 I felt more as the game, as the show went on, that I actually wish it done more stuff to surprise me. Like the Bill and Frank thing, done mm. more things to break away. Whereas I felt like it was, oh yeah, oh yeah, now we're going to do that thing, maybe from a different angle, but then we're going to do that and then we're going to do that. And then every so often we'll do a direct shot for shot thing that will remind you of the game. So um, good, fine, yeah, solid, enjoyed it. I think I either needed to know the game a lot more or not at all. So my girlfriend really enjoyed it. She has no idea about the the original game. So that was my thoughts. Back down to the bottom of the email. So I ask you, what creator... What creator do you wish adapted your favorite source material into a TV show or film? George, anything that comes to mind. I have... I love that question. It's a great question. Great question. I really wish I had an answer for it on the spot. I have quite an obvious one, which I may have mentioned before, but you get a Nolan to do Bond back in the beginning, 50s, Soviet era. It's very obvious, like, get Nolan to ground it. But you Mm. bring Bond... Like, we've done... We did, you know, Daniel Craig's Bond was a reaction to Jason Bourne. It was modern, gritty. The camera was shaky. It sort of had to evolve from the Pierce Brosnan era. I feel like just going back into modern Bond doesn't have anything more to say. I would love them to... If you're going to reboot it, new actor, new cast, new setting, new environment, new period bring it back to its original source you, you you create the aesthetic and the charm that the older ones had but with a modern lens and you get a nolan to do it because I've, I've heard nolan in interviews talk about romantically about bond and the way mm. in which he would love to do it but that's um, a big studio decision that needs to i'm happen. wondering if I, I mean i'm not thought this through at all i just came to me what happens if jordan peele did the thing oh beautiful like a still maybe more sort of, yeah or anyway i don't really have an answer but you've given one so that's fine Next <laughs> podcasting. <laughs> and our next email is quite similar to uh, William's notes. This is from Oscar who says, uh, hey, James and George, hope you both are doing fantastic. I am. I found your podcast about a week ago by, you guessed it, TikTok, and I've become obsessed with it, listening to it wherever I can. Great. My question for you guys is, do you have any dream movie collaborations, whether that's a director working with a cinematographer or actors working together or, or anything else? For me, I would love to see David Tennant working on a Dave, um, David Tennant working with a Aaron Sorkin script. I'd like to see more Aaron Sorkin scripts. I'd like to see more David Tennant, actually. I would like to see David Tennant in, like, A-list movies more, doing more things. Even though he's incredibly rated. He's incredibly rated, but I I think outside of the UK, he's known as, like, oh, he was in one season of Jessica Jones. In the UK, Good Omens thing. Yeah, yeah. I think because he's always had one hand in, like, uh, prestigious 
a homegrown TV and theater. Yes. I feel like he's, he's obviously done really high profile films, but he's always kind of spread himself yes. in a such an oso actory way across lots of different things. Yeah. But he's, he's just phenomenal. He's a wonderful actor. Wonderful actor. Uh, thank you so much for the hours of entertainment and the endless movie suggestions. Love Oscar uh, from Livingston in Scotland. Thank you for telling us where you are, Oscar. I, I like that. Uh, good day to you. Um, I don't, I don't oh. have, sorry, I don't have a, a Yeah, I mean, like uh, Nolan Bond was one I just mentioned. Well, but also like actor-director combinations and actor-director combinations. I would love to see Pause for Thought. Uh, again, I'm making this up on the spot, mm. but I would say I love Kurt Russell. Okay. I would like to see Kurt Russell do more stuff. And mm. I think we're due the legacy era of Kurt Russell. That isn't the Christmas Chronicles. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And I would say, why don't you give him to the king of the movie comeback? If you want to get, if you want to have a comeback that shows that you're a proper actor, but also puts you in a role that no one's ever seen you before, mm. you call Darren Aronofsky. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. let's have Kurt Russell in a Darren Aronofsky movie. Yeah, Darren Aronofsky's a good one to throw in there because you, you could do loads of different things with you and sort of mix it up. And <laughs> yeah. no point though. Yeah, but but there 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 you there you are. Maybe Oscar is our answer, perhaps. Bobby writes in and says, lads, absolutely love the podcast. I know this isn't specifically a film question, but since you constantly... I know this isn't specifically a film question, but since you occasionally cover notable TV stuff, I was interested to hear your thoughts on the state of things at the moment. The state of things? Hello, everyone. Look at the state... This is the state of things at the moment. Look at the James state of these things. After the announcement that Succession is ending after only four seasons, yes. when many people were expecting it to run for at least five, yeah. I feel as though, ironically, there isn't a clear successor when it comes to original no prestige television. <laughs> uh, Better Call Saul ended last year, and Barry is also coming to a close. And even if IP stuff like Marvel and Star Wars seems to be looking to limit their output after backlash around their lack of quality control, where do you guys feel TV is going? And has the age of prestige buzz-driving drama come to a close. Cheers, uh, okay. Bobby. How do I answer that quickly? Bobby, uh, thank you, Quickly Bobby. on Succession ending after four seasons. Succession uh, uh, is out tomorrow from the day we're recording this. Yes. I will be, episode one will be out by the time uh, you're listening. Which I hear is great. Everyone's I also, saying- I've also heard that the decision for it to be the last season was made in the edit. From what I've which heard. Which is kind of Because like Sarah, Sarah Snook has, has said that she, when they recorded the their edit. last scene. No, I've said that. They've, right. They haven't said that. I'm reading between the lines. Oh, I see. And Sarah Snook has said in an interview that like, when she filmed her last scene, she wasn't sure that, that this was for the la- was the last season or whatever. Wow. And I have a feeling they looked at it in the edit and went, actually, do you know what? Let's leave it here. But James, isn't that better than the opposite, which is let's run this thing as long as we can? Of course, we lose so many great TV shows to that. Like, you know, you've got people's attention, you're making money, do it. But we also had Game of Thrones rush its ending. Oh, this isn't rush though. This, no, no, this no, I'm not saying. I'm saying, but like, 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 we felt like we were halfway through a story and we got one more season. Well, let's. No. Do, well, you know, what, we'll have to just see in ten weeks. But time, like that, yeah, I, I don't know why that sits a little bit like a red flag to me. But I, so far, everyone has said Succession season four. The earlier review has been very promising. And uh, on, on where's TV going? I do think TV is just c- c- going to continue being great. You I mean you say about Succession ending, but then like The Last of Us has just come out and been like really successful. Mm. I don't know how much The Last of Us can run because obviously it's prohibited. Like, they want, they're going to wait for uh, Bella Ramsey to be older, aren't they? I thought they said they started season two. I haven't done my research. I thought I saw Neil Druckmann tweets. Okay, part well, two go. is on the way. Okay, fine. So I think they're just going to go um, for it. Uh, that, yeah, so I think, I, I think Prestige TV is going to keep growing. You might, we might reach a point where there's uh, tailoring. We already had that bit a few years ago where shows mm. stopped being 
13 episodes long, became eight episodes, and then shrank down to six. And if you're lucky and you get a big budget one like The Last of Us or, or House of the Dragon, they become 10. Yes. But uh, I think you might just get that. I think the uh, the death of the cinema has, is a bell that has been rung for many years. I think cinema is going to become a place for your very big action blockbuster. I mean, very cynical, a very big right. action blockbuster. And that mid-tier that has been missing in film is going to thrive in TV. Which it has been. Yeah. Which it has been. And I think those, all of those stories are just going to be, there's going to be less of an assumption that we're making a feature film out of this. And I think a lot of people yeah. are going to, their default answer is going to be, let's look to do this as a TV show first. Also, I think that's yeah. going to happen more and more. Uh, there was a round table I watched with Michael Keaton talking about why from an actor's point of view, they like doing TV. Mm. And he says, you know, in a film you get Acts one, act two, act three. Mm. But in act in, in in a TV show, it's act endless. No, no, it's endless act two, which is you've had the establishment, and you, before you get the resolution, yeah. you've got this endless exploration of act two, which is, um, you know, conflict and character exploration, mm. and, and all of them around the table. Brian Cox is there, Samuel L. Jackson. And they were like, yeah, this is like, oh, so exciting. Um, and uh, more rewarding for actors. They've got more chance. I think it's more creatively, creatively rewarding all around. And I think we have a couple of emails later about uh, TV as well. So, uh, Bobby, uh, I think don't despair. I think I think as soon as you find your next favorite show, mm. you'll change your opinion. And I'm, I think you're sad that Better Call Saul's finishing. I've heard nothing but amazing things about Barry. Mm, I've yeah, never watched it, but, but it's ending. And obviously, Succession is finishing. But then... Like last year, what a great year we had with White Lotus and House of the Dragon. And the market will follow where attention is, and attention is on people's home screens and on their iPads yeah, and exactly. phones and where they're watching it. So thank you for that email, though, Bobby. Straight in. It's, the next it's email. your email. I just read Bobby's one. Did you? I thought I read it. <laughs> oh, sorry. Sorry. Okay. It's, oh, it's This next email is from Matthew in Sunderland. All right, lads. He writes that as that. All right, lads. All right. I've got a controversial movie. No, I'm not going to do the whole thing. I'm just kidding. I've got a controversial movie opinion to share. It's that I find the main characters in films are some of the least likable characters. Mm. I often find myself disliking them and being drawn to other characters instead. The main culprit being Harry Potter. Yeah. I, I, think this is, I find this with the other characters like Frodo, Luke Skywalker, Neo, Katniss Everdeen, Thor, and Adonis Creed most recently. Okay. A particular irritation in films are main characters who are the chosen one. Well, that is literally every That's single one you have yeah. mentioned. And I think they that- often have to be a very blank canvas yes. to react. They, you kind of adopt your, your mindset into them, but yes. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, it really draws me away from the character. There are, of course, exception, exceptions to the rule, like Forrest Gump, Ripley, Caesar the Ape, Spider-Man, Truman Burbank, but I find generally that the rule to be more true often than not when I struggle with the identity of them. I'd be interested to hear your thoughts. Love what you guys do. I'm also excited to know when the... I'm also excited when... The, I'm always excited when the new podcast drops. Yes. It makes my day. P.S. I'm so curious as to what James does for a job. <laughs> the traveling sounds amazing. In my head, I imagine you're some sort of international spy. Yes. And the podcast is to throw us off the scent. I would also pay to see James recreate your own version of planes, trains, and automobiles when you're on your travels. <laughs> I used to like, yes, I'm a spy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what perfect hiding in plain sight with the podcast. Yeah. Okay, go back on your points here, Matthew, a second. Uh, as James and I have just said, when you your problem is with like characters who are the chosen one, and it's like, well, that was what I was going to say. Every single one of those characters is burdened with the, about being the center of the universe. Yeah. So it's natural to find They've Han Solo more interesting be... than Luke. Right? Yeah. Uh, with the other ones you mentioned as exceptions, it's like, well, Forrest Gump is a completely just like distinct character in himself, like behaves and acts like a different character. Mm. Ripley assumes the mantle 
because it begins as like horror trope dynamic of it's a group of people and Ripley is thrust always reluctantly into the center. Yeah, and it's, it's common sense and the rationale. Exactly. Uh, Caesar the ape is the underdog, which I quite like, and also he's an ape, <laughs> which helps. Yeah, and also like, different character. He's learning, literally so learning to speak, learning to yeah. find his voice. Um, uh, Spider Man, well, I, yeah, I guess uh, I don't really, I, have a, I don't really have a thought on that one. And Truman, I mean, Truman is interesting because he's an avatar for for us, and that he he is. It's interesting seeing a character who is not at a low point, but is at like a he's almost a bit of a neo level where it's just he's not the savior of reality. Mm. He is just. Uh, switched off and he's having to save himself it's very specific to him maybe. I like Neo as a character even though again still very Whoa. vanilla but he's he's so easy to follow and he's this like underdog with no purpose yeah. and he, it's very rea- it's a very reactive role I would say that one thing uh, having talked about Cabaret is that uh, there are some characters who I find are there as just to react as, as, a, as a way into a world to like Nick Carraway and Gatsby or like yeah. uh, the this, the the, the, the uh, the the English slash American tourist in Cabaret who arrives in Berlin. It's just kind of it's kind of like they didn't really have any character traits, but mm. they're just there to look at the You just mentioned musicals, made me think of Roxy Hart in Chicago, who is quite vain and like has this mm. idea of herself and she's flawed and wants to be famous, good character. but also yeah, like great character. They're yeah. all quite good characters in Chicago, actually. They are. Yeah. Salafine, Mr. Yes, <laughs> Salafine. So uh, I understand your 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 thing there, but I do think it's because these people are just like basically christ-like figures with un- unbelievable powers who realize that they are the center of the universe but like tony stark very likable and i don't find him he, he's sort of sort of a hero's journey but not yes. not as close to what i'd say like a harry potter is but he's tony stark's very refreshing and, yes. and funny and witty and yes he's not your, he's not conventional next one is from frederica he says hi guys Hello, Frederica. Frederica here again. Second time writing in. Oh, Am you. I a friend of the show yet? Welcome. Frederica, of course you're a friend you are. of the show. I christen you. <laughs> I listen to the pod while I'm Other at the Other denominations gym. are available. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the power of pulp compels you. <laughs> I just hope some like liquid just yeah, like a 4DX movie just <laughs> yeah. sprays out their phone. I listen to your pod while I'm at the gym. So thank you for making my early morning workouts a little less painful. If you are listening to this at the gym right now, Frederica, you could do it. I Keep hope going. You are just at the bottom of a squat, just <laughs> really <laughs> going. benching the, the trainer on yeah. top of you. Like, and I just went, this next one is from Frederica. And she's <laughs> <laughs> just trapped under the weight, like under your neck. Oh. I hope you just collapsed on your treadmill. Right. Frederica, it's your email time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, while I'm at the gym, early morning walkouts a little less painful. I'm writing to you. get your thoughts on the art of a good trailer. My husband and I like to do movie tapas. We Ooh. go to YouTube and watch a load of new trailers to get a taste. See what I did there? Of what films and shows are coming out soon. It's the perfect activity when you don't have time to commit to actually watching anything. Do you have any favorite trailers that you can remember? And what makes a good one? I vividly remember the trailer for Man of Steel, yes, which promised a gritty, grounded version of Superman. Turns out the trailer was better than the film. I personally think there are too many that reveal the entire plot. It feels lazy when there are so many yes. other ways to set the tone and pique someone's interest. Um, George, we, we've talked, we've done an episode on some of the great trailers. Yes. I think we should do another one because there are so many. Yes. Man of Steel has a great trailer and the promise of what Man of Steel... Totally. Or, no, the promise of what the Man of Steel films could have been is very exciting. Yes. I don't think Man of Steel is as bad as you remember it. I really, I really I, think... I, I don't think it's bad. No. I, I always, is, I, it's long, but, but I always... I got with it. Yeah, I said before, I think Man of Steel deserves a sequel, but it won't really get it now. But um, yeah, I, I have done this before where we just watch many trailers. But what I do find, to your point, is that I'm almost like, uh, I've seen enough now. Yes, <laughs> I, yeah. I'm in. When I know I'm sold within 10 seconds, I have to go, 
Yeah. I, I'll go to my girlfriend. I'm like, do we want to watch this? Are you yeah. in? Yeah. And we decided because now we should stop, which is kind of. Hard. I would just say, I'm. S- have we talked about trailers recently? I, I can't remember, but we have. We said about not did wanting I to watch them. Did I mention Watchmen? Because I don't no, think I mentioned that in the episode, but a, a trailer that I remember at the time, like loving and would watch just repeatedly, mm. was uh, the trailer for 2009's Watchmen, which had the smashing right. pumpkins, like, you know, these are dark times. I'll whisper, no. It was just brilliant. And I was like, what the? the fuck is a watchman yeah <laughs> what yeah. the hell is this i mean uh that and uh i remember 300 trailer as well i don't know we talked about yeah I, uh, I get very switched off from a trailer when they are too they had this exact same formula of oh, yeah. all the one trailers really? that, like just tell they're trying to do the reduced piano theme yeah. and like bringing back an old character do, and, do, do. yeah like the, the jurassic world films are a clear example yeah. it's like dun 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 you want to go back to yeah. the island <laughs> <laughs> you're saying you back yeah. dun, dun, <laughs> anyway anyway sorry what else uh, also, also uh, frederica continues to say also a while back you asked for tv recommendations and i wanted to suggest slow horses on apple tv plus right. a witty british show which follows a group of misfit mi5 agents the writing is fantastic and gary oldman's performance alone makes it worth a watch we'd love to know if you've seen it uh, Gary Oldman for me is a draw and I have seen the, the show but I only need to watch it. I've seen uh, it uh, My parents have watched it and they loved it. Mm. But they love, like a lot of people of a certain demographic, that kind edgy, of... um, crime-based Yeah, gritty, <laughs> detective um, uh, sort of on his last yeah, legs. I, uh, I, would, I would watch it. I need to, I need to basically, ing- I think I got a new phone recently and yeah. I need to... Um, What's it get like? Your Apple TV Plus get my before thing. the before the offer yes. ends. So yeah, I need to do get it. that done. So because uh, Blackbird, I also want to see. And as well. you should watch uh, We Crashed. I thought and that was really Severance. good. Severance as well. Let me just write off the rest of my social life of the year <laughs> to watch the films, like, watch the TV shows I should have watched last <laughs> year. Tape your phone to your eyes. Uh, thanks for all the great content. Honestly, don't know how you do it with full time jobs. I've been listening since the beginning, so it's great to see you guys starting to get the oh. recognition you deserve. Frederica sent from my iPhone, leaving this in on purpose, <laughs> and then again sent from my iPhone, <laughs> which is just so annoying. Um, oh, I never told them what i did for a job which is just i make videos yes yeah i work in video productions i would just say frederica says she's been watching since the beginning is that episode one or is it like in the first uh, 10 episodes we'll allow it but frederica thank you for staying with us that's great and i hope you're i hope you walk around with a t-shirt and you go like pop kitchen yeah best podcast i know you must follow you must like you must thank you everyone for sharing the uh sharing the podcast we've done we've done good numbers in 2023 we've got a good increase in our audience which is very very exciting Next email is from Tahar, who says, Hello, James and George. Hello. They went for James and George. See, not See, George and yes. James. James yeah. and George. Long-time listener, first-time caller. I, like many listeners, found myself sucked into your podcast through TikTok. And now, whenever I see a Pret and a Leon, which I'm <laughs> which are right outside my university, I think of pret manger the amateur. That's very good. That was my best ever. Yeah. <laughs> the opposite of Leon yeah. the professional. Very yeah. good. Now your podcast is part of my weekly routine. That's great, Tahar. Hello, and thank you for making us part of your very week. Good. Anyway, last week, I finally had the chance to watch Joyland, a Pakistani film by director and writer... Saim Sadiq and producer uh, Sa- um, Tahar has very kindly put in the phonetic pronunciation of these names. So I'm just trying to skip to where the phonetic bit's written. So, and, pro- and producer Samut Kasut. Samut Kasut. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, it won the Queer Palm and Jury Prize in 2022 at the Cannes Film Festival. The film follows a meek guy who falls in love with a trans woman while his wife feels stuck in domesticity. The film was steeped to contro- 
The film was steeped in controversy in Pakistan due to the inclusion and love affair with the trans woman, which did not allow it much viewership, which makes me deeply disheartened as the film went on to win Best International Film at the Independent Spirit Awards. The film is absolutely gorgeous to look at with a plethora of shots you can just pause and stare at for hours. The story is incredible, incredibly well told and the characters are so well fleshed out that even someone who appears on screen for one scene feels like they exist outside the film. I love it when a I film love does that. that. Fantastic. I, <coughs> I genuinely cannot find the words to do justice to how much this film moved me. This is great to heart. It made me freaking ecstatic that films like this are being made in Pakistan. Well done. I've not seen yeah. it, but I want to high five no, you with your enthusiasm. Great. My aim is for people who, who listen to this podcast just to know about this film and try and watch it if there is a screening nearby. I also wanted you guys to, if you had the chance to see it, I want to, sorry, let me just finish on that to check mm -hmm. out if there's screenings mm -hmm. nearby. I haven't seen Joyland, but I've seen it advertised. I've heard great oh, yeah, things I've as heard well. Of it. I will definitely be adding it to my list. I also wanted to ask if you guys had had the chance to see any Pakistani films, and if not, let me provide a list for more recent ones I would highly encourage watching. Um, shamefully, I cannot name a single Pakistani film I've seen. No, and I just want to say I love it when someone who knows so much more about a certain genre or yep. a type of film than us, and they give us a great list, yes. and I just feel like that's such a good resource for people listening Absolutely. to like, check out films. And for us, here's a list of great films that you this can go check out. This is a bit like... Bevan's original Irish email, yes, the, yeah. Irish cinema email. Yeah, and then we yeah. about Pakistani cinema. Yeah, the Pakistani so, correspondent. Thank Taha. Whoa, here yeah. we go. <laughs> so, Bevan is the Irish correspondent. <laughs> for all things Irish. Taha, uh, here are the films that you, uh, uh, Taha lists out. Uh, and again, forgive my pronunciation. Mm -hmm. Kuda K. Lai from 2007, Bol from 2011, Manto from 2015, Kamli from 2022, Zindagi Tamasha from 2022, The Legend of Mola Jat from 2022, and Joyland. I will mentioned. put this list in the description of the video and the Spotify description Fantastic. if you want to check it out because I think you might have missed them quickly as we read past them. I hope you guys have a great day and I keep looking forward to hearing I, and I keep looking forward to hearing your podcast. Thank you very much. P.S. Can I be the official international Pakistani student studying in London of this podcast? I hereby <laughs> name you the official Pakistani student studying in London. Best to heart. Thank you so much to heart. That's Tom, a really wonderful that email. Great. And uh, we always love to hear about like effusive, passionate mm. and uh, detailed uh, part of like you know, your film passion. And that's just so informative for us. So thank you. Guys, we have so many more emails to read out and I'm sorry we can't get to all of them. Can't get to all of them. Again, just for the, in the interest of time, we will end it here. Please keep sending your emails in. We will keep reading them out. Thank you for emailing in. Remember, if you wanted to email into the show, you can do by emailing hello at Pulp Kitchen, at Pulp Kitchen Pidcast podcast, podcast, like so many of you have today. It's only taken 69 episodes, James, for you to get that right. And I say it like five times an episode, so I you know. think I'd have it done. Thank you very much again, guys. But let's play a game. James, as ever, let's finish this episode of the show with a game. Okay. We're going to be playing Castless Countdown today. Mm -hmm. If you are a new listener, you might know this from TikTok or Instagram, where we read out the cast list of a movie uh, in, 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 in random order, mm -hmm. Not usually, definitely not with the leading person first. Mm, no. And James has to try and guess what film it is before I arrive at the end of the cast, okay? This I'm so sorry. I think I'm going to sneeze. <laughs> you know, I'm nervous. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, no, it's gone. It's gone. James. This first film. Are you ready? Yes. Guess the film based on its cast. Three, two, one. Pink. As in the singer. Okay. Jolie Richardson. Josh Gad. Gwyneth Paltrow. Tim Robbins. And one more name. Mark Ruffalo. Great cast. I don't know this film. 
And I think most people have completely forgotten this film. I've never heard this film referenced after it came out. Okay? Go on. Slipped away. That is a film called Thanks for Sharing, which is about a sex addiction support yes. group. I do, know do you remember it? Film. Do you remember yes, it? Yes, I know of this yeah, film. Yeah, exactly. And I remember seeing the poster and I was like, I'd give that a go on a Sunday evening. How's Pink? Uh, I haven't seen it. <laughs> I, oh, sorry, I haven't seen the movie. <laughs> oh, right, yeah. I was literally on my way over here today and I, I, I don't know why, but maybe I was thinking about Tim Robbins because I don't see him in enough stuff no. now. And I was like, oh wait, he was in that film that I didn't see, that, that I don't think anyone saw. I've never heard anyone talk Do about you know it. What? It was floating to the front of my brain almost. Yeah. I, the little sort of like, ping come like, okay, well that's, yeah. there's only- So many. So many. I was thinking you'd think of an animation. That, 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 when you said Josh Gad, I was wondering if it was an animation. That event. reads like a car. That's the last time I remember Gwyneth Paltrow being in a film that wasn't an MCU you film. You lost actually. me when it said one more. And I was like, oh, then if that, because if it, it should have been more of an ensemble cast yeah. of characters, then you were like, it's actually a small thing. Yeah. Yes, thanks for sharing. What year? 2014. Okay, yeah. Anyway. There you go. First one. Okay, next up. Okay, number two. Film number two is the cast list as follows. Mm-hmm. Guess the film based on its cast. Mm-hmm. Steve Carell. Okay. Dean Norris. Paul Dano. Brian Cranston. Greg Kinnear. Slow down. (laughs) Tony Collette. Alan Arkin. Last one. Abigail Breslin. Any clues? Lo- uh, it's not Lovely Bones? No. no. What's, no, no. That was with uh, Sir Sharon. Correct. Uh, and, and none of those other people. <laughs> <laughs> no, go on. Who is it? Okay, that one more time. I'm just going to give you Steve Carell, Dean Norris, Paul Dano, Brian Cranston, Greg Kinnear, Tony Clare, Alan Arkin, Abigail Breslin is, of course, Little, Little Miss, Miss Sunshine. Sunshine. <laughs> there you go. You, oh, I threw you off. I, I was hoping that Brian Cranston and Dean Norris would throw you off because yeah. Dean Norris is just a, is like in one scene, is, a, is the pre-Breaking Bad, so he wasn't known to people. And Brian Cranston, and I can't even remember him in this movie. So yes. he must have been in one scene. But Steve Carell as well, I think gets, we forget that Steve Carell is in that He's film. Because it's not it's a like, very Steve Carell role. And really like before he started doing non-Steve Carell roles. That's it. So this is yeah. 2007. He's still in, you know, US office kind yes. of. only just taking off. It's like pre that. Brian Cranston. Yeah. I know. Threw me off. And then obviously the ever good. Alan Arkin. I know who Alan Arkin is He's now. the grandpa. Yes, yeah, yeah, it's probably his, one of his most famous roles. I think he got nominated yeah, for an Oscar yeah, for it or whatever. Good. And that's like the first time I saw Paul Dano as well. The same the year he had that and there will be blood. Emo Paul Dano. Yeah. That's right. Is the, wow. Is that, it's straight after that. Yeah, God, yeah. What a, and Abigail Breslin has to be last because, like, how many other yes. Abigail apart from Zombieland? Yeah, yeah. No true, disrespect true, to Abigail Breslin. I'm just saying that's the. I'd like to rewatch Little Miss Sunshine because I think it's. I think it's good for film. me. That is very much of its. I mean, like, not. I agree. I haven't mm. seen it in a long time. But when I think about it, that is like very much of its time. 2007. It was like the industry just suddenly said, "Oh, like." We like indie films too, right? Like it wasn't just the nineties. I like, also feel like it's really bright box art did a lot of favors for it. Yeah, the standing running out, after the, the running after the bus, very. But very it was also like you know, it's kind of like we're not going to do a conventional like Hollywood ending, but we're going to mm. have like some kooky bits in it, and maybe mm. like an acoustic guitar. We're so quirky and yeah. weird. Family. Did you see Juno? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, James. Last. I film love the now. soundtrack. Yeah, it's so good. Have you ever heard of Sufjan Stevens? Yeah. Um, okay, last film, James. <laughs> mm-hmm. James, film number three, the last film. Can you guess the film based on its cast, mm-hmm. which are as follows: Robert De Niro, whoa, Rami Malek, Zoe Saldana, Timothy Oliphant, Mike Myers, Matthias Schoenartz, Anya Taylor Joy, Andrea Riseborough, 
Michael Shannon, Stacked Cast, Taylor Swift, Chris Rock, John David Washington, oh, Margot Amsterdam, Robbie, Amsterdam. Yes. <laughs> and last of all, Christian Bale. <laughs> so, the most what? amazing yes. cast for the most unmemorable movie of all time. I, I, you know, by the time you said Taylor Swift, I wasn't really concentrating because I was so fixated. I was like, Taylor Swift, I saw her so recently. Amsterdam. A great... Cast. Great, cast. great cast. And that's the only thing you can that's say the, about uh, yeah, the film, the only really. Thing you could say very well shot. Uh, yes, and there's yeah, Amsterdam. Yeah, but I think yes. like I like the fact Robert De Niro being in it. He could be in anything, yeah. but he's not the main character. Mike Myers. I I swore it was an animation. I thought it was Madagascar at one yeah. point. Yeah, that could <laughs> I be the next one. with like David Schwimmer, Ben Stiller, <laughs> I was like, oh, Madagascar too. That was Amsterdam, the David Russell film from last year, which we enjoyed yes. going to the premiere too. But we yes. did again. That is not a. It's a load of nonsense, really. It's a load of nothing. Waffly, waffly film. Very, very uh, empty calories. That film. So. That concludes the game for this week and that concludes our show for this Guys, week. thank you so much for listening to this episode of Pop Kitchen. We thank you so much for being with us. Don't forget we post new episodes of the show every single Wednesday. Oh, we try to when James is available. Yes, <laughs> uh, in the country with Wi-Fi. <laughs> as ever, please continue to show your support and your love by following us on Instagram and TikTok. We still put out plenty of clips and, uh, and, and stuff on there. Uh, give us a like, give us a subscribe, uh, spread the word, send the link to people. Send us your emails to hello at popkitchenpodcast.com. We love to read them out. Absolutely. So stay in touch, stay connected. We love it. Thank you for your support and we look forward to you joining us next week for episode 70. 70. See you next Pop week. Pop Kitchen. Bye-bye. Thank <laughs> you.